0: This is the In Focus Podcast from the
1: Hindu.
2: Hello and welcome to the Hindu's In Focus Podcast. I'm Anand Krishnan, your host for today. As India emerges as a major provider of vaccines in the neighborhood. This episode examines India's vaccine diplomacy. From Nepal and Bangladesh to Sri Lanka and Myanmar and even Brazil, India is in talks to supply large quantities of vaccines overseas. But how is Delhi balancing India's own large domestic needs with its commitments to help abroad? What are the considerations in India's outreach and what has been the impact of China's recent South Asia-focused COVID diplomacy? helping us make sense of these questions, are Swasini Haider, who is a national editor and diplomatic affairs editor of The Hindu, Kalol Bhattacharji, who covers foreign affairs for the Hindu in Delhi, and Meera Srinivasan, who is the Hindu's correspondent in Colombo, covering Sri Lanka and the Maldives. Thank you all for joining me today. Thank you, Anand. Uh, Swansini, I I can start with you before we come to the specifics of the neighborhood, and we'll get to countries one by one. Uh, Obviously, India has huge domestic needs. We're at the start of this huge vaccination drive uh, that's being called the world's largest. Perhaps it is one of the world's largest, along with China. Uh, But how is India broadly planning to balance its own domestic needs with supplying to the neighborhood? Are there constraints on capacity? And what's your sense of how Delhi is weighing Uh, these different considerations?
3: Um, Anand, that's a really good question and a timely one because this is where the rubber hits the road, you know. Uh, India began its own process towards accepting the vaccines and uh, for emergency authorization uh, exactly three weeks ago. And um, in these three weeks uh, has uh, spent its time, its focus on uh, internally ensuring that the systems are ready for the vaccine rollout that began. Um, on the sixteenth of uh, January. So what we're looking at now is uh, really the the big question is now that India knows how many and you know how it can roll out its own vaccine program, uh, what can it do for its neighbors? And then there is the larger question of exports to other countries in the world. Now there is some confusion already because let's remember the government of India has a certain requirement, Uh, from the the two vaccine providers, which is SII, uh, the Serum Institute that uh, that produces Covishield, and then there is uh, Bharat Biotech that is producing Covaxin. Um, SII is already in a tie-up. Obviously, they're producing the Covishield in partnership with the Oxford uh, University, AstraZeneca, which uh, developed the, the vaccine. Uh, and has certain commitments, not only commercial commitments through AstraZeneca, but also through Gavi, what is uh, seen as the global um, uh, vaccine alliance that uh, uh, is headed by uh, Bill Gates and and other nonprofits around the world. Um, So there are all these commitments, the the ones to the Indian government, the ones commercially, and then ones to the global alliance in any case. Uh, Where does the neighborhood fit in over here? Uh, the, the the prime minister made it clear he said uh india plans to help in saving humanity that mm-hmm. there would be no stops uh the health secretary uh you know uh, some think it's a contradiction that it's the health secretary who announced india's export policy on vaccines said uh, on june uh, on january the 5th that there will be no ban on exports mm-hmm. and yet uh, we are still to see the first export out of it. India being allowed. So there are are several questions. One is how many can India provide in the neighborhood? How many of those will be provided at cost or uh, for free? And how soon India can say that we've got enough for our own rollout and there's enough production coming in of these that we can then make available to, uh, to the members of the neighborhood. And let's remember, practically every member has already asked Nepal, Bangladesh, Myanmar, Sri Lanka... Uh, has already asked. And interestingly, Pakistan has actually given emergency use authorization for the SII, Covishield. Um, mm. So, uh, so these, this, is, this is the point we are poised at. We, we don't yet have complete clarity when, on when that will roll out.
2: And uh, Swasani, of the two vaccines that you mentioned, uh, it seemed that there is quite a lot of global interest in uh, the Covishield vaccine. Uh, and obviously, even within India, there's been some amount of debate on uh, Covaxin. Uh, whether it's gone through enough trials uh, and the like. So is that something that's going to affect uh, how uh, the demand would be outside India for Covaxin, given that even within uh, the country, there are a lot of uh, questions being asked, whether it's uh, been tried and tested?
3: Well, there are also, um, uh, you know, orders that have come in from abroad for Covaxin. Uh, Bharat Biotech has uh, already tied up with uh, a couple of, uh, uh, you know, uh, labs in the neighborhood. Uh, and and uh, it has also, uh, you know, we've seen, for example, Brazil's entire network of private clinics has has got an MOU with them. They mm-hmm. haven't yet taken them. So the question is, as you put out, you know, as there is a little hesitation uh, in India, there will be in other countries as well. Uh, but we are expecting, I mean, Bharat biotech has made it clear that by the end of January, they will be able to publish those phase three right. trials. Uh, And I think COVID shield is the same. Remember the real, uh, the question for South Asia right now is A, one of cost, um, Mm -hmm. but also of viability because these are vaccines that can be, uh, uh, you know, that can be uh, the cold chain that is required for them is not like uh, some of the the Pfizer and Moderna ones that mean minus 70 degrees. So for South Asian climate, this is uh, very important. And I do want to make the last point which is India is not alone in South Asia in terms of providing or hoping to provide uh, its vaccines. China is there as well. There are conversations already held uh, yeah. with uh, groups of South Asian countries for the Sinovac and, and for China to provide help as well. Um, and uh, it, it, these are all the things that I'm gonna roll out in the next few weeks.
2: Last week, uh, we had the visit of Nepal's foreign minister to Delhi. Uh, I know, Kalol, you cover Nepal and track what's going on there quite closely. And I think you reported on last week's visit as well uh, and mentioned that uh, the vaccines was one of the issues discussed besides the boundary dispute and other things. So on the Nepal front, uh, I think there has been some initial discussions and interest. Uh, is that correct?
0: Uh, yes. Uh, first of all, we have to remember that Nepal was the first South Asian country which uh, reported uh, the COVID nineteen uh, case. Mm. Um, I think it was in February that the case was detected first. So, and immediately after that, if you remember that Prime Minister Modi had announced this the uh, uh, special COVID nineteen fund led by right. India. Um, it was, it was uh, there was certainly controversy at that time where Pakistan wanted that mechanism to work under the umbrella of SAC, but um, other countries were rather comfortable with it because it was um, India's initiative. Mm. So there was, from the very beginning, an expectation from the neighbors that India will um, extend the help uh, without any condition, like, you know, uh, we have to first look at the domestic um, um, requirement. Mm. Um, They were given to understand that they will be, um, you know, uh, they'll be accompanying the recovery process along Mm. with the rest of India. And there was a single umbrella as far as um, the uh, neighbors, you n- know, n- minus Pakistan, were concerned. Um, so, Nepal and Bangladesh uh, from the very beginning held high hopes. Mm. So, tomorrow we have uh, 20, the 2 million, that's 20 lakh COVID 19 um, Covid shield vaccine to be um, shipped to Dhaka mm. in a special aircraft. And this week, we are supposed to hear from Kathmandu about the consignment that uh, Nepal would clear on a G2G basis. Um, but then, after the G2G, um, that is government to government agreement on the supply of uh, COVID, COVID shield, uh, will come the issue of commercial supply. Right. So, in that case, uh, Bangladesh, the commercial agreement is already done between Serum Institute of India and Bexinco, that's a Dhaka based uh, pharmaceutical firm. And uh, in Kathmandu, this uh, responsibility will be shouldered by the drug ministry. Mm. Um, so, you know, this, uh, these are two. Mechanisms that will handle this case um, cooperation with India. Um, as of now, that is what it appears like. But when you look at Nepal, um, the issue is not yet clear because Nepal has taken a really long time uh, mm. to, to clear COVID shield. Uh, whereas Bangladesh didn't have any hesitation and Shasina has been, has been saying that she wants the vaccine to arrive in Dhaka as possible. And this is also something that she declared on the, on the, I think on the anniversary of her government, government yeah. um, earlier this month. Um, so um, it's something that's part of the governance making, you know, promise in Dhaka, whereas the Prime Minister in Kathmandu has not yet uh, promised that as part of his government's agenda, right. that the vaccines should be delivered as soon as possible. I mean, he has taken a considerable amount of time, um, shown a lot of dilemma between the Chinese vaccine and the Indian vaccine. Hmm. Uh, primarily because of political uh, reasons and the home front.
2: Colonel, do we know if uh, Nepal is uh, evaluating the Chinese vaccine as well? I think Pakistan became the first country in South Asia to uh, grant emergency approval for one of uh, China's vaccines. Is that something being considered in Nepal as well? Or are indications that for now it's going to go ahead, uh, focusing on perhaps Covishield?
0: Well, a COVID shield is only, um, as in case of Dhaka, it's uh, it's going to be maybe 2 or 3 million. Hmm. Um, But then uh, there is a huge requirement for for COVID-19 vaccine in Nepal. Hmm. And that will obviously be diversified because Nepal has been in talks with China as well from the very beginning. Hmm. Um, And the the Chinese delegations that visited Kathmandu even last month, uh, they discussed the issue of um, pandemic-related requirements of Nepal. Mm. Um, So there's no doubt that Nepal will also get the Chinese vaccine in due course. Mm. But perhaps the Indian vaccine will be the first that will reach Nepal. That is what Mm. appears certain at the moment.
2: Uh, Coming to Sri Lanka, uh, Meera, you've been reporting on the fact that uh, Sri Lanka has been one of the countries with which China has been having these uh, multilateral dialogues uh, last year. Uh, There were three rounds of dialogues uh, which involved... Nepal, Afghanistan, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, and Pakistan, of course. Uh, Mira, what's the situation there, Sri Lanka being a country that did fairly well to keep uh, the spread in check in terms of its vaccine requirements in the countries that Sri Lanka is looking at?
1: Sure, Anand. To start with, I think uh, Sri Lanka's status as uh, a country that managed COVID efficiently, I think uh, that has been uh, sort of challenged by the second more serious wave and in fact even the new uh, uk strain has been identified here so the second and third wave as it begins now is proving rather challenging for sri lanka the number of cases is over 50000 which is uh, almost it's it's over 10 times that what we had early October. So in a span of just three months, the cases have risen uh, quite a bit. So Sri Lanka is in that very challenging phase of the pandemic spreading fast and the number of uh, casualties also going up. And uh, importantly, the government has been in conversation chiefly with India, China, and Russia in regard to vaccines. So when uh, External Affairs Minister Shankar visited earlier in January, there was a very um, open call for uh, vaccine uh, assistance from India. And yesterday, um, when PM Modi uh, launched the vaccine drive recently, he, um, Prime Minister Mahindra Rajapaksa and President Gautabai Rajapaksa were among the early, uh, you know, they were quick him on Twitter for the successful launch. And there's a lot of outreach in regard to vaccine itself. And uh, we heard the health minister say that the vaccines from India are likely to arrive in two weeks. And I hear it's in the final stage of sort of sorting out the logistics and the modalities. But what's not clear is how many vaccines and uh, what's the arrangement? Is it free or is it for a, a sort of subsidized rate? It's, it's not clear yet in public domain. And in terms of Chinese assistance, that's also expected pretty soon because uh, President Rajapaksa wrote to uh, President Xi Jinping when uh, the new uh, ambassador took charge there and the letter was personally handed over to the Chinese uh, president. So I think this highest level of outreach for vaccines is happening at a a very fast uh, pace and this should have results sooner because Sri Lanka is really waiting for vaccines and all indications that are that it might come from India first.
2: And with the Maldives, Mira, which is another country that you report and cover, uh, it seems that the Maldives in India have already had talks as well uh, in terms of uh, vaccines being shipped out soon.
1: Yes. So the Maldives I hear is even closer to actually finalizing the arrangement that I believe in a couple of days the Indian vaccines might reach Mali. They are still finalizing the last phase i'm told of the logistical arrangement and that would i mean at one level it's understandable that maldives is the first country in the neighborhood to get indian vaccines because of uh, you know the nature of ties at this moment but even sri lanka i think is going to um, follow suit and i i also forgot to mention earlier that sri lanka has also signed up for the covax facility so who is also going to be administering vaccines for 20% of the population mostly for free so uh, there is some uh, pace picking up in terms of uh, vaccines. And yes, the Maldives, their population is about 4 lakh and we are not clear as to how many vaccines India is sending. But it seems that it's going to come very quickly in the next couple of days and maybe the rollout will begin soon after.
2: Obviously, it's not just the neighbourhood. And Swastani, you've been reporting on a quite interesting development in terms of between India and Brazil, uh, where a rather large order seems to have been announced Uh, But yet, uh, I'm not quite clear whether uh, the entire order is going to be fulfilled and if it's going ahead. So what's been happening between India and Brazil?
3: You know, one of the problems is that uh, we are dealing with countries with very large uh, populations and uh, countries that have been affected uh, very badly. Brazil uh, uh, tops the list after the U.S. when it comes to the number of deaths and is just behind uh, U.S. and India when it comes to the number of coronavirus cases. So uh, President uh, Bolsonaro has been under quite a lot of political pressure uh, for uh, absolutely, you know, first being uh, what they call a COVID denier, then coming out and talking about the vaccines. He made specific comments saying, don't blame me if you take a vaccine, uh, which uh, gives you crocodile skin and women grow beards, you know. So Mm. he's at every stage uh, helping uh, and has been seen as not uh, succeeding in in, uh, tackling the coronavirus threat. Uh, What we've seen is a complete turnaround in January. So he wrote a letter urging Prime Minister Modi to release the export of 2 million vaccines, which have already been contracted uh, between their uh, um, uh, institute, Fiocruz, and uh, the SII uh, through AstraZeneca. Uh, he, uh, as I said, the private clinics have also got an MOU with Bharat Biotech, uh, as well as another uh, institute in Brazil is taking about 100 million doses of the Sinovac, um, the Butantan Institute. Um, so he he did speed up the desire for vaccines very quickly earlier this month. The, the only block seems to have been that all the clearances that uh, the government of India needed, and we were discussing earlier the kind of questions India has had to ask about how many they need. If they've got a certain number of vaccines, for example, do they distribute all of them to the population or do they keep them for half that number? Because you you need two doses per person. And um, uh, the question is, how quickly can your uh, vaccine production uh, cope up with the the demand required? For the moment, India's, uh, the government's uh, entire focus is on health workers, frontline workers, so about uh, um, uh, you know what they what they are saying is about uh, 30 crores of them uh, and uh, the, the 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 question is how uh, uh, excuse me 3 crores of them mm-hmm. and the question is how fast they can finish that uh, particular priority and how soon they can uh, export to countries that are not uh, like in the neighborhood. As Mira said, in the neighborhood, we're looking at timelines maybe of two days to two weeks. Right. Um, uh, as far as Brazil is concerned, it got quite confusing because uh, the Brazilian government not only you know prepared to send the plane to India, the plane actually took off from one of the ports that was supposed to, to a town called Recife, from which it was supposed to go to Mumbai. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was prepared, videos were published, of the plane being, uh, you know, uh, printed, covered with stickers, showing it was going to bring these vaccines back. Press releases were put out saying the plane will take off at 1,300 hours, will land in Mumbai at a certain time, will fly back with these vaccines, make them available by the 16th of January. That, of course, never happened. That plane has not taken off yet. Mm. Uh, according to diplomats, there are still uh, what are called a cargo export clearances as well as air flight clearances that are required. Um, so it has been a, a bit of a disappointment for the Brazilian government. Now we're being told they do hope that uh, within the next week uh, or as much as two weeks, they will be allowed to fly that plane here and take back the 2 million uh, for the moment that uh, they had contracted for. Uh, but it plays into the larger question. This is this, There is still a little amount of policy confusion uh, mm-hmm. that is being discussed at various levels. It's being discussed at a government committee level, It is also being discussed in parliamentary committees. And the questions being asked are, uh, A, uh, how many vaccines do we have for Indians? How many of those are going to be paid by the central government? How many by state governments? And how many eventually is the government going to ensure that employers and the private sector actually pay for? Uh, The second question is, if you are allowing commercial exports, Mm. then... uh, to be available commercially in, uh, if, uh, to Indians as well. Mm. And the final question is uh, about some of the other vaccines that are available. you know uh, private hospital chains in India are now asking if you are allowing these exports, why not allow some imports as well? For those who can afford uh, to pay a little more for mm. vaccines uh, where you would need private hospitals to you know secure the cold chain like Pfizer and moderna but are available in other countries, why not allow those in India as well and really you know uh, help everyone who can uh, bring in vaccines that are cleared by the government um, to uh, to do so uh, so these are these are as I said these are questions that are being asked right now uh, and we'll know the answers in the next couple of weeks. Well, one
2: final question uh, to you, Swasni. you had a piece last week uh, about uh, the irony of uh, of the fact that uh, the last year has underlined how much you need a regional architecture to deal with some of these problems, not just in COVID response, but uh, more broadly when you look at the region's economic uh, uh, problems and having a coordinated recovery. And it's quite interesting that you wrote that uh, a lot of what India has been doing has been a bilateral coming to arrangements and agreements with different countries. And it's quite a contrast to what China has been doing, where it's been trying to convene these regional forums And obviously the absence of SARC is something that looms over all of this. Uh, So what's your sense of how India has been approaching this? Is this the new normal for now, where it goes about discussing with different countries individually rather than a regional approach to these
0: issues?
3: I think the moment the Modi government has made it clear that it is replacing SARC with what it calls its neighborhood first uh, policy. Uh, So that neighborhood first policy really does involve bilateral efforts rather than multilateral or minilateral efforts. Uh, and particularly, uh, except for that one SAC summit that Prime Minister Modi convened in March, has not actually approached the co, uh, the, co, uh, the coronavirus, uh, either the health, uh, you know, the kind of assistance over the health part of it or the economic part of it on any kind of a, uh, you know, multilateral basis with them. China, in contrast, which is not a member of SAC, has uh, held three meetings with the vice uh, uh, foreign minister. I think you've re- re- been reporting on that. Uh, right. Holding as many as these three meetings with Afghanistan, Nepal, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka. I think with the exception of India, Bhutan, and the Maldives, all of them mm. have have taken part in these calls uh, and is clearly looking at some kind of um, you know uh, 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 some kind of a region-wide uh, assistance program. Uh, now the reason why i think uh, that the region needs something which is a little more multilateral than just bilateral is because the challenges are so common to us all i mean when you look at vaccine diplomacy for example it is because we all have the same climate we all have the same kind of uh, issues with cost that we can actually work together the the uh, the recovery of um, uh, our economies are going to by and large in the region depend on two basic factors, the recovery of the tourism economy on which countries like Sri Lanka, the Maldives, Nepal really depend uh, and uh, ensuring the consistent flow of migrant remittances uh, where the World Bank has said as much as 23 percent uh, you know, uh, we we could see a shortfall in in migrant remittances coming back and job losses uh, for um, migrants from the region that are based in say the Middle East, in North America, Europe, and all the rest. Um, so if you if you do need to deal with these kind of uh, problems where there is a regional challenge, it's not just one country or another country. Uh, Eventually, you are going to need to bring back some kind of forum. If uh, if the SARC cannot be convened because um, uh, India has a problem with the prime minister traveling to Pakistan, which is a pre-requirement, in a COVID year, it should be possible to hold some kind of a a Zoom conference of the kind, uh, uh, some kind of a conference of the kind we have seen uh, the prime minister take part in and so many other um, uh, forums, you know the SCO, the G20, and all the rest, uh, and and to move on with that SARC process, and, and and that was is essentially the the case I was making that this is not a time to hold back on South Asian uh, diplomacy simply because you do have bilateral issues with one country. The last point really being uh, in the broader trend of how the world will deal with the post-COVID world. I think we have to look. Some of those broader trends. There is a general distrust of globalization, where people think that it is uh, not just the fact that globalization and interconnectedness made vaccines spread faster around the world. It made countries so dependent on the supply chains they're looking to, uh, uh, you know, reduce that dependency. Um, and uh, obviously, the answer is not to completely cut. Uh, all international trade. So the, the, uh, what I call the box option between the two will be some kind of a regional solution when it comes to dealing with the economy's recovery, when it comes to dealing uh, with these health challenges, when it comes to dealing with the new kind of priorities of health security, food security, labor security uh, that uh, COVID is throwing up for the world. Um, uh, but at the moment, as you pointed out, we're not yet moving in that direction. We're much more in a bilateral way, but moving quickly on that bilateral. I, I should add that the Modi government has spent the last few weeks really firming up its, uh, its ties uh, in terms of providing these vaccines in Myanmar and Nepal, uh, as Kalol and uh, Mira pointed out, in, in Sri Lanka, Maldives, Bangladesh as well.
2: All right, perfect. Thank you, guys. I think that wraps it up with the time, so I will stop recording. Thank you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.